0: It occurs to me that we should have discussed who was introducing this episode of the podcast before we started recording it, but we didn't do that, so I'm just going to introduce it. Hi! Hi, everyone! <laughs> Welcome to episode 236, if you could believe it. If you've never heard it before, you probably can't, because nous sommes professionnels. Welcome to Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs. I'm your co-host, Sarah D. Bunting, and I'm here, as always, with Mark Blankenship. Hi, Mark.
1: Hi, I want you to know that I am recording this episode on a pony on a boat. <laughs> Finally. <laughs>
0: so today, as you may have guessed, we're talking about Lyle Lovett's "If I Had a Boat," which is a listener request from Karen V. That we were uh, quite delighted to uh, to receive and explore. Mark did did Karen ask specifically for this song, or just for Lyle generally?
1: She did, in fact, ask us to specifically talk about If I Had a Boat, and I thought that was an excellent choice. I love Lyle Lovett's music, and I'm glad to be talking about him today because I've been thinking about how, although I often talk about maximalist pop songs on this show, I also quite like songs that are not that. (laughs) So to to me, I contain multitudes, as do we all. (laughs) <laughs> um, but I find Lyle Lovett to be one of the most gratifying country blues Americana artists uh, of all time. I have five Lyle Lovett albums that I have essentially worn out over the decades. Uh-huh. And If I Had a Boat is a great introduction to his songwriting, if you don't know him, because it it captures that combination of beauty and wit that makes him so special. He manages somehow to sing a lot of his songs with a lopsided grin that never comes across as a smarmy smirk. Mm -hmm. And that affability is one of the reasons that I love him. Now, to be fair, many of his songs are very sincere, and in fact, my very favorite of his songs is a song called The Road to Ensenada, which is a the title track from his 1996 album, The Road to Ensenada. So good, that album, by the way. But I feel like that the essence of Lyle Lovett is contained in a song like this, Um, and I guess we should probably just play a clip before we go any further.
0: Yeah, let's do that. Go
1: out on
0: the ocean And if I had a pony I'd ride him on my boat And we could all together Go out on the ocean setting me up on my pony On my boat Now if I were Rod Rogers I'd sure enough be single I couldn't bring myself to marry and yeah, no just be me and Trevor we we'll go riding through them movies and we buy a boat and on the sea we can I first heard this song it was put on a mixtape for me by uh, an old boyfriend um, and I loved the song and I love it immediately um, the the song showed up on the mixtape after the song had actually like come out and been in the world I think. Um, but for whatever reason, I've seen that movie, the opposite of sex, like 20 times. I don't
1: featuring Lyle Lovett. Uh-huh. Yes.
0: And he, there is like a, um, there is a gentleness, but like a steel cord, um, dignity and determination to that character. And I have thought many times of that line that he has to, um, Why can't I think of her name? (laughs) Lisa Kudrow's character, Jesus. Um, That's like, you know, when I come in a room, when we come in a room, we should be looking for each other. And if you're not doing that, you can kick rocks. And uh, I always found that just really um, admirable and sexy. And he has that like big schnoz that I like in my famous boyfriend. So um, I was immediately uh, appealed to by this song. Uh, I think that I thought, uh, I put this mix on like in the car. I was by myself. The boyfriend was not present and I was driving up to the Cape and, um, this, this came on the tape and, um, I wanted to believe that it was an expression by the boyfriend of this world of two feeling, that he was unable to articulate except via Lyle Lovett on a mixtape. In retrospect, I think he just liked the song, which is, which is fine. (laughs) This was a really good mixtape that I think I imputed a lot of meaning to that it didn't contain. Um, In there, in there. But yeah, but uh, I mean, there was also like a snippet of Brian Austin Green, like talk about oh
1: this this mixtape we've heard of this mixtape before in the show i need
0: to either find this or try to reconstruct it uh i mean like we're still sort of marginally in touch this guy and i so i should just send him an email and be like so do you would that be weird i mean it would definitely be weird anywho um but this this song like listening to it again i hadn't heard it in a while—and. these, these vignettes taken all together are pretty weird. Like if you, if you pull apart individual lines, like I, I sort of love like t- Tonto's, you know, the um, last stand of Tonto where he's like, hey, <laughs> right. suck it. Um, but then there's a line that's like, and if I were like lightning, I wouldn't need no sneakers. Like, yes, that's absolutely true. What? What? Um, (laughs) and it's sort of full of lines like that, that like the essential truth, sort of like thunder and lightning gets to you before the thunder comes in and is like, actually those words in that order don't totally make sense, but let's just go with it. It's a rainstorm. Like, I love that about this song, not to mention every former small child who revered Pippi Longstocking and longed for her lifestyle, which did involve a pony, a boat, a monkey no parents and excellent braids that stuck out from your head. Um, like this is still the dream. Uh, when I can't get to sleep, sometimes I like my sort of quiet place that they tell you to go to when you're trying to meditate is either a houseboat or a tree house. But uh, mm. the houseboat sometimes does contain a pony, usually it's just overrun with my actual pets but um there's there's something about this song that really speaks to all the like all these childlike things that you d- don't realize you were still hoping for that are that are still there like sort of ghosts anyway and also it's a beautiful song to listen to he's just very not soothing but there is that steely core of competence in construction also that's very um I don't know something that's you know some synonym for calming that doesn't imply chamomile
1: yeah it's it's that it's so it's very the music in his songs is always very controlled but not in a way that's antiseptic right it's just so well constructed That you trust whatever he's doing because you can hear that he has really gotten his shit together.
0: Yeah. It's like confident and it's compelling, but without being like, um, it's not going to sort of like wake you up kind of thing. I I don't, I'm not articulating this well, but it's like, it's very um, trustworthy, I suppose. Yeah,
1: that's the right word, I think. Mm Mm-hmm and he has a fundamental surreal quality yeah, that he does. would not would not land the same if his music didn't feel so carefully literally crafted literally yeah. might not be the word i'm looking for here but you know the the music feels familiar and recognizable and mm-hmm. quote unquote solid in a way that makes it easier to enjoy the surreal flights of fancy in the lyrics i think
0: yeah, I, I, f- I feel like this is a um songsmith. I hate that word. I also hate the word propulsive. Just, you know, while I'm up. Words I hate. <laughs> but he seems to have a deep understanding of which um, flights of fancy go with which, um, like, melodic bedrock and melodic narrative. So he's not... Like whatever the song is, he's not trying to make it do anything that it it's not that it's not telling him to do.
1: Like right. He, he okay. understands
0: his own stories on both levels.
1: Okay, so this is now getting me to the word I was groping around for. He is a musical traditionalist mm-hmm. and a lyrical surrealist. Yeah. And those two things together are very interesting. And his entire career is like this. His um, his albums are full of songs that are rooted in specifically Texas sounds, mm-hmm. but he also does um, – he has a, a band that he calls Lyle Lovett's Large Band. I, and, I love that. <laughs> and it, it, it's uh, it's got all kinds of like brass and there's all just tons of almost – well, the reason he calls it Large Band is that it would be a big band, but they don't make big band music. Right. So he has this really vast musical palette that he paints with. But it always is in the service of these songs that feel like they're almost in a David Lynch movie, in a way. <laughs> like, uh, the 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 first song of his that I can remember hearing is a song from his album, Joshua Judges Ruth, which is a perfect name for an album, mm-hmm. P.S., called Church. I don't know if you know the song of his. I don't. So Church is roughly six minutes long, and it is a an acoustic gospel song in which he is surrounded by a group of uh, blues and gospel singers with whom he has recorded frequently, including one guy named Sweet P. Atkinson. Which I've been obsessed with that name for like 30 yes. years. Yes. Um, oh my
0: god, I can't believe that name is taken.
1: Damn it! <laughs> I know, I just sent the patent off. But in church, there's the, it's a cyclic song about everyone being in a church service that just goes on and on forever, and everyone is starving, and the <laughs> chorus is "To the Lord let praises be." It's time for dinner now. Let's go eat. <laughs> but then at the end of the song, the the, uh, the the preacher is so in touch with the Holy Spirit that he manifests a dove that flies through the window. But he himself, the preacher, is so hungry that he eats the dove.
0: Uh, I was just going to ask if the dove gets at,
1: and it does. It sure do. And then there's this whole vocal breakdown where all of the – like Sweet Pea Atkinson keeps singing about cornbread in the background, and it's just like – it's like so weird, and everyone is so clearly having a good time. And I think that's another reason that I really trust Lyle Lovett is that it really seems like he's having fun. And then – in a song like Rota Ensenada, which I've already mentioned, that is a song that is just there to rip your heart out of your body. But even that song has some essential mysteries because it's essentially about a man dying in a strange town in Mexico and thinking about all the people he'll never see again. And you don't really know exactly who they are, but you kind of do. Anyway, the point is like the this is the the specificity of Lyle Lovett as an artist that you just don't find with other people. And I love that. And your discussion of what's happening and If I Had a Boat reminded me, Sarah, that with this particular song, I've always gotten the impression, and no one has ever said this to me, and this is just how it sounds to me, that this is a song that you sing when you're just sort of idly strumming on your guitar as you sit on your porch, and you're just uh-huh. sort of letting your mind wander, and... You're just verbally doodling, and you're like, if I had a boat, I'd put it on a pony. And you just sort of let your mind go where it wants, and then, oops, you wrote a song, and I like that about it.
0: Uh, Yeah. I feel like he sort of collected all these things that are like, um, it's what they call like a walking around song. Um, Mm -hmm. Like the one that like when you're humming, but you don't have anything particular stuck in your head, you always go back to it. Mine is um, the leitmotif from – Peggy Sue got married. I forget who the (laughs) composer even is. And it's not a, I mean, it's just a nothing. So it's a walking around whistling song. And uh, it's like he collected all of his walking around lyrics and was like, Oh, these all end up scanning. Let's, let's put them in. Or like, here's the, here's like the ort plate of, of lyrics that don't exactly make any sense and don't go anywhere else. Like he's talking about um, the Lone Ranger and Tonto, and then he's like, "If I were like lightning, I wouldn't need no sneakers." Like sneakers?
1: Are we? Have you
0: ever worn a sneaker? Like Lyle Lovett doesn't strike me as like a trainers guy.
1: <laughs> Lyle Lovett um, broke had got a broken leg because a bull got him up against a fence in his ranch in Texas. So there you go.
0: I mean, I mean so then he has the boot. The uh the broken leg boot. The the other thing that's fascinating to me always about Lyle Lovett is like you're contemplating Lyle Lovett and his music and whatever and his large band for a while, and then that synapse fires that's like Psst, Julia Roberts. What the hell? How what was it like at that dinner table? I would love to know.
1: Yeah. Seriously, because what I did just they feel
0: about? like Lyle Lovett looked around and was like, well, I, you know, I was pretty sure this wasn't going to work out and I was right. So I'm just going to get my get steal and go.
1: Well, and he wrote a wonderful song called It Ought to Be Easier that is often understood as being about the dissolution of that short marriage. And uh-huh. it's that's one of those times where he's not making any jokes at all. He's just breaking your heart in half. Right. And it really does make you think. Yeah, it must have been real fucked up from the beginning. You know, Julia Roberts was someone who in her time would marry people real fast. Remember when she almost married Kiefer Sutherland? Uh huh. Yeah. And then she took off with
0: Jason Patrick, right? Yes. And then, I mean, here's the thing like, she's Julia Roberts. And so she either needs someone who is able to match her wattage. Or she needs some guy that has nothing to do with anything and the guy that has nothing to – I mean he does. He's a cameraman and I'm sure he's great at his job at a question mark. I don't know. But like they've been (laughs) married for a while. Their kids are like teenagers, right? So Yeah. But I mean – Yeah, I think
1: it ultimately is probably one of the secrets of her marital success is that she's not married to anyone that we have ever heard of.
0: Yeah, I mean – I-, I could tell you his name, which is so fucking Danny sad. motor. Yeah. 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 Good. I know. Glad- <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Glad we're on that Island together. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and he's like, I always think that about this, um, short, uh, nasty, brutish and short romance, which is, um, it, it cannot have been easy to be married to her, but it also can't be easy to be married as her.
1: Right. Like, I don't think she
0: necessarily has it, um, like, cinchy emotional life.
1: Right. And certainly in the 90s, the world was perpetually interested in everything she did. So, how do you navigate that?
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, And then there's Lyle Lovett, who, I mean, look, musicians are crazy in their own way. That's fine like i married an actor so i'm a little more familiar with that particular (laughs) flavor of insanity cut to dan being like i married a writer why (laughs) Why did i do that um i i mean i just think that he must have looked around him and like this is both much too complicated and actually really simple. Namely, I shouldn't be here, but I don't I don't really remember. Like, that just seems like it was another life for everyone involved, including us, the spectators.
1: Oh, my God. I know. And it because it was so hard to parse at the time, it's easier to forget somehow.
0: Yeah. So remind me when this song came out.
1: If I Had a Boat was on... Lyle Lovett's second album, Pontiac, which was released in 88.
0: Oh, okay. I thought it was uh, younger than that, but not not much. I thought it was from 92. Um,
1: from, and uh, the, well, that would have been a right around the time that his, uh, his... I believe that's when his third album, I Love Everybody, came out. <laughs> <laughs> if you'd like to just have a complete discography of Lyle Lovett out of my brain.
0: I mean, why not?
1: I will say, too... Uh, he also wrote another song called Fiona, which is Julia Roberts' middle name. Mm-hmm. And it's about a six foot tall, one-eyed girl <laughs> whom everyone in town loves, and it's so awesome. Wow. Huh. And uh she's the one-eyed Fiona, she she's got skin so pale, she's six feet high. She's skinny as a rail with just one eye. She's mm-hmm. the one-eyed Fiona.
0: <laughs> with just one eye. And that's that one thing that he can be like, well, Julia Roberts has both eyes, so I'm definitely not talking about her. Bye. Plausible (laughs) deniability. Oh, love it.
1: I'm also glad that you mentioned Lyle Lovett being in the opposite of sex, because that's a nice segue into the fact that he was also in Shortcuts and The Player. Like, Uh Robert Altman couldn't get enough of Lyle Lovett in the 90s.
0: Yeah. He did. I feel like he had that... um, that sort of early to mid-90s indie film look.
1: Absolutely. Not
0: that he wasn't good, but that there was a certain, like, kind of... Like, if you um, wanted someone who sort of was reminiscent of Crispin Glover, but you didn't want to deal with actual <laughs> mentally um, non-standard <laughs> Crispin Glover, <laughs> that you would ask Lovett to do it. And he was very good, because... I think a lot of um, traditional, like, folklorist Americana music is also, I mean, a lot of music is acting, pop music. Right, totally. But I think this particular mode of storytelling lends itself. And, like, he was never doing, he was never doing too much. He was just like, I was cast to basically be be Lyle Lovett with a somewhat similar name. Right. And wear some boots, and I'm going to do those
1: things. This is reminding me too. Speaking of just context, where someone really makes sense, I saw him once in concert with Katie Lang. Uh huh. Yep. And yep. oh my God, those two really make a great double bill because I bet. they've both got that absolute perfection in the way that they present their material. But both of them also record songs that are a little jagged or weird, and I like that.
0: Did they ever do? Did they ever record anything together, or they just toured together?
1: I don't think that they ever did. i they I don't even honestly remember if they performed a song together at this concert. I just mm-hmm. remember very clearly there was a Lyle Lovett section and a Katie Lang section. And I assume an intermission. But who can remember now? I
0: mean, now now, in my like pony boat <laughs> like fanfic section of my brain, the pony and the boat and Katie Lang and Lyle Lovett are all together. It's a pretty big boat <laughs> pretty <laughs> pretty roomy. But once I sort of think about, like, how have they never done a duet? Like, shouldn't they do an album full of duets? Shouldn't they come over to our houses and sing to us together because we love them? I actually think, sort of taking this train of thought to the last station, that it might actually be, like, too much for me to have them together.
1: (laughs) Yes, totally.
0: I'm just thinking about our Killers episode and how it's like, I don't care for this song. And then Katie Lang comes and I'm like, I love this song. And then she leaves and I'm like, well, shit. So like <laughs> if if you plug her into a Lyle Lovett song that's already great and then it's like, here's Katie Lang. I've just had five strokes. <laughs> uh, yeah, just maybe it's too much. Maybe the world isn't ready. And uh, so they've made the right decision after all.
1: We recommend listening to that duet in the fetal position only. Yes. (laughs)
0: Or in a um, sensory deprivation tank where you you only (laughs) hear it dimly through like water.
1: (laughs) And even then you're like, it's too beautiful. I (laughs) I feel like in the last few weeks, Katie Lang has replaced Yvonne Elliman as the patron saint of this podcast.
0: I'm comfortable with that. And I... I feel like Yvonne Elliman will be comfortable with that as well.
1: <laughs> she doesn't care. She's currently riding a pony on a boat.
0: Yeah, well, I was going to say, Katie Lang is the boat. Yvonne Elliman is the pony. <laughs> Does that make sense? No, but Lyle Lovett could make it work.
1: <laughs> this is like one of those surreal t-shirts that you would see that just have random phrases on them. Yeah. Katie Lang is the boat. Yvonne Elman is the pony. Forty nine ninety nine at Hot Topic or whatever. I, I mean,
0: look, there's like three people who never having even heard our podcast would be like,
1: yes,
0: <laughs> I would pay like $150 for that shirt. And then everyone else would be like, I what?
1: <laughs> you're right. But but you're right. Those three people would be like, it's like you knew what I've been trying to say all along.
0: <laughs> I'm seen.
1: Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs is hosted by Mark Blankenship, That's Me, and Sarah D. Bunting. That's me.
0: I also edit the podcast, which is a proud member of the Believe Network. Learn more at BLEAV.com.
1: To learn more about us, submit song requests, get a pop chart reading, or buy a master's book, visit our website at markandsarahtalkaboutsongs.com. You'll also find all of our social media links there, too.
0: That's Mark and Sarah with an H talk about and for even more content and access the Mastass happy hour, become a Patreon supporter at patreon.com slash mastass. Thanks for listening.